It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the player prop fantasy football expert, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter at MadJournalist. You guys can find us at thebettingpredators.com and at the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 9. This is our Money Picks pod. Uh, Let's just go back to the last couple weeks, Chris. Uh, Our podcasts have been... I don't want to say on fire, but uh, I'm pretty damn close, man. Like we've been hot and I, I noticed, you know, on Twitter, like you're putting out, you know, all the plays that you've been tracking and that you've been hitting all the props that you've been giving out. But uh, I'll say that you're on fire, but the podcasts are red hot. So hopefully we have another red hot podcast. But um, I and I, I got to be honest with you, dude, like I didn't even really take notice of all the stuff that you're giving out. But just to, like just how hot are you right now? Yeah, it's been a it's been a really good last couple of weeks, Sleepy. Um, we are officially on the player props column. I put put out every Sunday, and that since week six, so week six, seven, and eight were forty five and twenty two overall for plus eighteen point six units. In week eight, we were seventeen and eleven. Uh, hit most of our bigger unit props, so we were plus six point three units week eight, plus eight point seven units in week seven, and then plus three point six units in week six. We started off on a good note tonight. We hit two out of three props in the Jets and Colts game Thursday Night Football. The early week props are the ones that we put uh, that we put in our subscriber-only Discord. So if you're not a subscriber at bettingpredators.com, just go to bettingpredators.com backslash premium. You can find out how to get going. We have a new midseason price on our in-season package. But yeah, man, it's been a really good last couple weeks. We're doing a lot of research behind the scenes with our entire team. We're putting together, man, I'm telling you, like the best information you need to know across the web from every one of the best, uh, you know, rankers, uh, grades, just everything from offensive line, defensive line to individual player usage data. We've got an entire team working behind the scenes, putting together a hit list doc that we're also giving to our subscribers. And to me, this is just giving us like miles more edge than we had at any point last season where we were kind of doing this on a small scale. So I'm really excited about where we are right now, but even more excited about what we can do in week nine and just going forward for the rest of the season. Now that we've got this platform we're building together. So I'm ready to roll, man. Week nine, I got a lot of props I like already and ready to dive into some things here. You know, Chris, it's, I don't think anybody doubts your skills, but I do believe that you probably are a little bit frustrated right now with, you know, how the sports books are putting out the actual player props. If we go back to last year, like week eight, week nine, uh, they had the props. They were up. They were ready to rock and roll. But now it seems like now the books are getting a little bit smarter. They're being a little bit more careful on what they put out, who they put out. So the fact that you're doing very well right now, uh, I think that's even more impressive than than you know any run that you've ever had right now because uh, you are limited to what you you know to what you can give out. So it's like, all right, I got these guys lined up. I think they'll all be there. And when they're there, you know, you're hitting them, and then you have to wait. You know, it's like I was looking for guys tonight and I'm just like, come on, dude, like, really? Like the one guy I want, it's like you won't put him out there. And and I know that you've been noticing that and you're probably frustrated with that. And uh, my guess is that you would even have an even better record. I, I just want to just throw in one thing before we dive into the games that you brought up a great point is that for when it comes to me, like we're working as a team. So every time I always talk about my record with fantasy rankings and the expert accuracy contest at fantasy pros or my player prop circuit, I'm always saying we in the tweets, if you go back to my timeline, because like I said, like I'm not doing this by myself. Like some of the decisions I'm making is a final decision by me, but 
it's, you know, with, with countless hours of dedication and time put in by our team, you know, you're, you, uh, Steve reader, the rest of the guys, Ben Martinez, Gene Lesser, uh, Andrew Duhon. We got a lot of other guys as well that are helping us behind the scenes. And for me, like, I know a lot of people follow a lot of different prop accounts on Twitter. I follow certain accounts, but I don't look at what anyone else is posting during the week. I, I stick into my own lane. I stay within my own process. And I feel like that has helped me out a lot personally, especially over the last month or so. When I know a lot of people on Twitter that put out free props, you know, they do, you know, quote unquote collabs with each other where it's two guys working on stuff. And that's great. And I think that's always better when you have two heads as opposed to one. But every single prop I put out, like we've got seven, eight guys putting their heads together on it. So I think that's a great benefit of getting, you know, access as a subscriber into our discord. You get these props the second we put them out. Uh, you know, and it's all comes out to less than a dollar a day. You get that early access to everything, get the best lines, the best vig, et cetera. So that's the last note on that. I know there's a lot of people putting out stuff on Twitter, but you know, it's not just one man doing it. It's an entire team. And I think that's the, that that's the best, you know, access and benefit you get from being a, being a part of the betting predators, uh, NFL in season package. And I certainly think that, you know, all the guys deserve a lot of credit, but I will say this is you can go through and you can look at the work uh, that, that the guys are putting out that Chris is putting out. And those are the people you want to follow. You want to make sure that when people are giving you information, giving you plays that there's work that's being done. It's not just some guy uh, over this and with nothing behind it. That's not something that Chris is going to do. Uh, He's going to make sure that you guys get, you know, a a full fledged write up a reason why. And he's got a lot of data and information to back that up. And, And you guys could see all of it. You know, you guys could see where Chris is getting all his information from. So, uh, he's doing the work, and that's where really, you know, uh, a lot of the trust starts. When we going to jump into this card here, Chris, we got uh, – let's start with the Bills. Bills are going to be minus 14 and a half. They're going to play the Jaguars here. Uh, we have a total in this one of 48 and a half. I'll go first on this one, Chris. This one isn't really complicated to me, so I'm not going to complicate this pick. I'm actually going to go ahead and I'm going to play Devin Singletary over 33 and a half rushing yards. The Bills – uh, big favor in this game, and we have the opportunity, you know, of a blowout. Therefore, I think Singletary will end up getting more carries. And we've also seen Zach Moss kind of fading away a little bit, you know, as the weeks have gone by. And I'm not sure, you know, if, if Singletary might actually get more reps overall in this game. Moss has only run the ball, you know, the last three games for less than three yards per carry. And Singletary in the last three games is like 4.6. So I see Moss's touches going down. I think Devin Singletary will get over to 33 and a half rush yards. We have the potential that the Bills blow out the Jaguars in this game. So uh, I think Devin Singletary is being underpriced here. So I'm going to go ahead and play him over 33 and a half rush yards, Chris, for this particular game. What do you got? Yeah, this is a game that's tough for me because the blowout factor really adds a lot of risk into what we're trying to handicap for player props here. I mean, just looking at the spread overall, you know, Buffalo's basically projected to win the game around 31 to 17. So Obviously, 31 points is a lot, but how do they score them? You know, who who knows at this point? Jacksonville has the number 27th graded secondary out of 32 teams, according to PFF. Um, You don't see any advantages across the board for the Jags. And I think the the Bills can attack this game any way they want. The one thing that I'm looking at right now is Cole Beasley's status. I believe he's mispracticed the last couple days, Sleepy. If he doesn't play in this game, and and we're not going to get Dawson Knox back for at least another week, um, you know, you want to look at guys, I think like Tommy Sweeney, you know, he had three catches for 30 something yards in, in his first game as the featured tight end in that offense. And he actually did get a decent amount of work, 
uh, when a lot of people thought they were going to basically run four wide receiver sets with Gabe Davis on the field. But we didn't really see all too much. I know Gabe Davis had a touchdown in that last game, but we didn't really see that. We saw more of like a regular, hey, three wide receiver sets with a tight end on the field. And it, and it looks like that's what they're trying to do overall. And I don't think they need to force anything in this game here. So I don't see any props right now for Tommy Sweeney. Maybe it's because Knox has not been officially ruled out yet. Um and then if Cole Beasley's ruled out, I mean, I probably not maybe I probably wouldn't look to Diggs. I think Diggs is like we're still not getting a discount on Diggs. He's been pretty underwhelming for the first eight weeks of the season, but he's still being lined in the 80s for props. Um, the one thing I would take advantage of maybe at this point is like you can get a six yard middle opportunity or maybe just take advantage of one line over or under depending on which you like because FanDuel has Diggs. 77 and a half yards minus 114 you can go to DraftKings uh, or Caesars and you can get over uh 83 and a half so you're seeing a six yard difference between what FanDuel and Caesars and DraftKings has right now I think Emmanuel Sanders man is a really good way to attack this game he's coming off a game in which he had zero catches for zero yards but he's been a big play threat all season long for this Bills offense and if, if Beasley is ruled out um and you know if they have one of their key guys banged up right now, like why do you need to play him against the Jaguars? So that's something that I got my eye on. If we get any indication that Beasley's going to miss, usually you can get these like reports on your phone through Twitter or through different uh, fantasy apps. Like you'll get the report that he's not going to play before he's officially ruled out, sometimes hours before. And if that's the case, I'm more than happily going to play Emmanuel Sanders over 53 and a half against a Jaguars defense that's get, get, been getting beat up by the big play all season long. Sanders had a couple opportunities last week where he was wide open and Josh Allen missed them. They were really close to connecting on another deep ball. So I'll take advantage of a slight discount on Sanders if Beasley's ruled out 53 and a half. If Beasley is ruled out, I'll probably play that at least up to 58 and a half, maybe close to 60. So that's where I'm looking for this game. All right, let's jump into our next one here. We got Dallas minus 10. Uh, They're going to be playing the Broncos here. We got a total of 49 and a half. I'm going to play two two props here, Chris. I'm going to play Cortland Sutton over 58.5 receiving yards, and I'm going to play Jerry Judy over 48.5 receiving yards. You know, you got to keep pace with this Dallas team. And, look, Dallas is going to score points. You know, no Von Miller. I think that equals less pass rush here for Dak. And, you know, we don't have to deal with Cooper Rush. Dak's going to be back. So I believe that's going to put a lot of stress here on the Broncos after throw the ball. Noah Fant's going to be out for the Broncos. And my thinking is, like, both of these players have the potential to go over here, but I just don't see how I don't at a minimum split. And my gut feeling says both of these guys go over it. These lines are just way too low. Uh, right now, Judy, 48.5 on FanDuel, and Sutton, 58.5 on FanDuel. I mean, Dallas, their, their past defense has gotten some praise, Chris, but in reality, that team right now, I think they're like the fourth worst passing uh, defense in, in the league. And it's tough to run on them. They're actually like the fourth best rush defense in the league. So I think one way or another that Bridgewater has to go out here. He's going to be throwing a lot. You know, you minus fan. I just, I don't, I think these lines are just wrong. I think they should be probably maybe Sutton somewhere, somewhere close to 70 and maybe Jerry Judy somewhere around, you know, close to 60. So I'm going over. I just don't see how I don't at a minimum split, but I think both of these guys go over. So I'm going to go ahead and play Sutton over 58 and a half receiving yards, Judy over 48 and a half. That's what I'm going to do for that game. What do you got? 
Uh, my favorite prop in this game, we gave this out in, in our subscriber Discord channel earlier today, is Teddy Bridgewater. I like him under 37 and a half pass attempts right now. Projections have him for about 34 and a half. And, and what I like about this prop is the fact that we're getting a game here where Dallas is at home. And I believe they're, what, 10-point favorites in this game. Dallas is a team, when they play uh, with a lead, they're one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL. And I've got Zeke ranked really high in my rankings this week. I know we got some running backs that are you know on buys and whatnot, but I've got Zeke Elliott as my number two overall running back in my fantasy rankings this week. But that, that's five above EC. When you get inside the top ten, you've got a guy five spots ahead of ECR. That's a pretty big uh, stance that you're taking on a player. I had JT number one, obviously. I mean, he might finish number one after what he did tonight. Uh, I've got Zeke two, Najee Harris three, Henderson four, Eckler five. So I'm really high on Zeke against the Broncos run defense. That I mean, we saw what Dearness Johnson did against them a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, the Dallas is a similar team in a way, except that they know how to actually throw the ball as opposed to the Browns. Uh, and, and the Dallas has a, a pretty good defense where I would say maybe Dallas is stronger against the pass than they are against the run as opposed to what the uh, the Bronco, uh, the Browns had when the Broncos played them a few weeks ago. So I really like Teddy Bridgewater. I think the Cowboys got out to a lead in this game. They're going to drain the clock, running the ball, using both Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. So that's where I'm going in this game. If I see a pass attempts prop that I'm getting like three, uh, uh, you know, a three uh, difference in the line versus the projection, and I agree with that projection, maybe even a little more so than what it's showing me, then that's an under that I want to jump on. So I like that minus 115 at DraftKings right now. Um, my only hesitation is, is I would probably Sleepy look to attack. If I had to pick between the two that you said, I probably like Jerry Judy more over the receiving yards than I do uh, Cortland Sutton because I believe that Judy's just a better player and you might be getting a little bit of a discount you know, since he was kind of eased back into the offense last week. Also, Judy running his routes out of the slot is going to benefit him more where he's not going to be lined up against Trevon Diggs. I think Sutton's going to see a lot of digs in this game. And although the Cowboys have a pretty decent slot cornerback in Jordan Lewis, um, I think that Judy's still going to get the better of that matchup. Last thing I want to note in this game, keep in mind, see, because I have Noah Fant on my you know main uh, dynasty league that I play in, and Fant still could play. I know it's a long shot, but he still has a chance to post – uh, negative test uh, w- within two, within 24 hours of each other before kickoff. But if we don't get fan playing, then I absolutely love Albert O. He will be like my cash game tight end lock in DFS because he comes in at $2,600. Like that's right near the stone minimum price of 2500 for tight ends. And I think he's going to step in and play the exact same role that Fant played when Albert O was out. These, these are two very talented tight ends, Fant and Albert O., they kind of cannibalize each other when they're both on the field together and both healthy. But if Albert O's playing by himself, he might have the best matchup in terms of the pass catchers against the Cowboys. Uh, and I will also be looking at Javante Williams over uh, his receiving because he ha- he's had at least, I believe, three catches and three-plus targets in about four straight weeks now. So they're showing a willingness to get Javante Williams more involved uh, in the receiving game. I would lean towards the over in his receiving yards right now. Uh, if Fant is ruled out, I'm probably going to look to play Javante Williams over officially on the receiving yards, and probably uh, as well I'll, I'll play Albert O because I, I don't think his receiving yards prop will be set that high. My guess is it'll, it'll come out maybe in like the third, like the low 30s or something like that. I'll be willing to play that probably at least up to 35. So that's where I got my eye on for this game. All right, good stuff there, Chris. Let's jump into the Vikings and the Ravens. 
Ravens going to be minus six. We have a total of 49 and a half. This was easy for me. And I think we're starting to see a trend here. I'm going to go down. I'm going to play Adam Thielen over four and a half catches. Look, we know the reason why Diggs actually wanted out of Minnesota. And that was because Cousins love to get in the ball to Thielen. Well, you know, we're starting to see it now over the last two weeks. You know, Thielen's getting more and more targets. I don't think that that's going to change this week. You know, Baltimore, they force you to go ahead and throw the ball. Uh, they're, they're what, top four, top three rush defense right now. And they are, you know, yardage-wise, the league's worst pass defense. The Vikings, I don't think they could just go ahead and run Cook here uh, and, and try to win this game. They're going to have to spread it around. And I think Thielen, you know, is going to be targeted a whole lot in this game. I cannot see him not getting the five catches. Uh, I feel like this is a, you know, a game in which you're going to have two teams that actually play with a, a decent amount of pace. I mean, they're, they're basically running 65, 70 plays a game. So uh, it's an easy call for me. I think Thielen is starting to become the number one here again with Cousins. So I'm going to take Thielen over four and a half catches. That's all I got for that one. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's going to be the number one, but uh, he's kind of like the Hunter Renfro where anytime you see the four and a half catches, that's almost been a lock all season long. And Thielen's been benefiting from the extra attention that Jefferson, in my opinion, he's a top five talent at wide receiver in the league, uh, playing with a mediocre quarterback, and he's getting all the attention from opposing defenses. So I mean, the game plan that Minnesota trotted out against Dallas was piss poor, and that's why they should have won that game by at least 7, 10 points. They wound up losing that game to Cooper Rush. So that goes without saying. I think they bounced back, at least in a way where their offense can be more productive against a Ravens secondary that ranks number 20th in the NFL. So that's an advantage for Minnesota in this game. Minnesota's secondary, on the other hand, ranks number five according to their PFF coverage grade in the entire NFL. So their secondary has been playing above average all year long. I do. I'm in agreement with you. I like Adam Thielen over the four and a half catches. You, the best line right now you can get is at Caesars minus 125. I wouldn't go past minus 130 on that. Personally, that's just kind of a cutoff I said for myself. Um, I actually would be a little interested in playing uh, Marquise Brown over on his passing yards. I'll call it a lean for now, but – the guy had a ridiculous amount of air yards the last game he played before the bye, and the box score really didn't show it against the Bengals. But, man, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are, are dropping back the pass at a rate that we've never seen in Lamar Jackson's career so far. And that's where I'm going to go number one because, you know, Rashad Bateman, he, he's kind of creating a role for himself. Sammy Watkins coming back into the fold. Mark Andrews is there. What I think is going to happen, what I've seen at least from the last couple of weeks is that those guys are all operating into like the short intermediate areas of the field. Marquise Browns, he's burning guys deep and he's creating separation. And Lamar has been looking his way a lot. And, and he got a ton of looks, even when Bateman had a good game right before the Ravens buy as well. So I, I, I would lean right now to Marquise Brown over, I think DraftKings has 61 and a half. I, Marquise Brown's a guy in, in this type of matchup, I could see him getting 70, 75 plus early in the game, as long as the Vikings are competitive and don't shoot themselves in the foot like they did in week eight. So that's where I'm looking right now. Uh, and, and other than that, I mean, even Justin Jefferson, I think, is due for a bounce back game. Like you said, Sleepy, his over-under on catches is five and a half. But I, I think there where it's like, okay, Justin Jefferson's more of a big play threat than Thielen is. Uh, Thielen's going to rack up more catches. So if anything, I, I think that the book should have Justin Jefferson at four and a half catches and Thielen at five and a half. So de- definitely agree with you on getting the value there at Thielen over the catches. I like that one too. And even Conklin, man, like you can get plus 120 over three and a half catches, and he's been heavily involved in this offense. He gets a really good matchup against a Ravens team that's been really bad against tight ends all year long. So this this is the type of game where 
I don't know how much the uh, the Vikings can run against this Ravens team. Uh, Ravens have been pretty decent against the run, but their their coverage has been terrible. So you know maybe you play Tyler Conklin, Thielen, and Jefferson all over their receptions, and you might cash all three. Maybe you, at worst you cash two out of the three. That's kind of where I'm looking for this game right now. All right, solid stuff there. Let's jump over to the Raiders and the Giants. Now, it's going to be an interesting game for a few reasons. You have the Raiders minus 2.5, total of 46.5. My gut feeling says that you're on the same play here, Chris, and it's Darren Waller over 5.5 catches. Waller's typically lined at what, Chris, 6.5, 7 catches? I mean, that's kind of what I remember, so I'm not necessarily sure why the change here. Now, if you go back to the last game that the Raiders played, the backup tight end, uh, Foster Morneau, he had six passes, and he caught all six of them. So that tells me that the tight end is heavy in the playbook. And now with Waller back, you know, attacking this five and a half number seems like a no brainer to me, but now you have no rugs. He's out. He's not going to be on the field. He gets targets. So do we see that, that double digit target for, for Waller here? I think, I think we do. Um, You know, the, the giants aren't exactly, uh, you know, the greatest pass defense in the league. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do that, Chris. It's you, You're not going to talk me out of it. My gut feeling says that you probably like that one, too. So it's Waller over five and a half catches. I think he eats this week. I think so, too. Um, you know, obviously, with the loss of rugs, you know, we don't need to get into that. It's terrible what happened there. But, you know, you need to look at it. If you play fantasy, you got to look at the implications. And the implications are is that the next guys are going to step up and get Ruggs' volume. And that's going to be a little bit to Waller, going to be a little bit extra Renfro probably a little extra Brian Edwards. I mean, he's he's the guy that was playing outside in the perimeter, and now that they don't have rugs there, what you're going to see is Zay Jones step into that spot too. So Zay Jones, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, I expect all to get a little more target volume sent their way. Uh, even Josh Jacobs in the receiving game, he, he's been getting more targets than usual as of late, even though I'm not playing his props over receiving because you have Drake mixing in, you have now Jalen Richard mixing in there as well. But I like the fact that you can get Brian Edwards. Uh, I think it's plus one, maybe plus one twenty, plus one thirty, close to that. Over three and a half catches, Renfro over five and a half catches. I mean, even that's solid at plus money. I wouldn't like it, you know, less than even money. But I think at plus money, it's a solid bet. Uh, and then Waller, I, I think, yeah, you know, you're getting the fact that the, Ra- the Raiders are coming off a bye. Jacobs, I mean, uh, Waller was hurt before that. So it's been, what, three weeks since Waller's played. He was a little uh, underwhelming even before he hit that stretch. So I agree with you 100%, man. Uh, you know, Waller over five and a half. I think it's minus 105 right now. Uh, yeah, and in normal, you know, he goes off this week or like he did in week one. You know, you're going to see this line probably six and a half uh, juiced heavily to the over. So I, I don't I don't hate – it's not an official play for me yet. Cause I still got to dive deep into a little bit of what the giants are doing, but I do like the matchup. I like the situation and I, I think the, the market's giving us some value here. So I'll, I'll go ahead and play that with you right now. Pizza bet. I might put that on my official card as well. All right. Good stuff on that one, Chris. Let's jump over to the Patriots and the Panthers. Uh, Pat's going to be minus three and a half here on the road. Uh, we have a total of 41. I feel like I kind of owe Damian Harris, Chris. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Harris to go ahead and score a touchdown in this one uh, at even money. You know, the dude's getting like 20-plus touches right now. He scored, what, four straight touchdowns in four straight games. You know, he's becoming the Patriots' like most reliable player. And I've relied on him the last two weeks, and he's cashing checks for me. So I kind of feel like I owe it to him. So I'm just going to play Damian Harris, score a touchdown, yes, at even money. 
Um, I feel pretty confident in that. The only thing that worries me a little bit is the total is just so low. But, you know, the Patriots, they're not going away from them. And if I could get the volume, I think I have a good chance to get in the end zone. So I'm going to go down and I'm going to play that. Okay, so you're seeing – I'm not seeing any props for this game right now. Are you seeing anything? Maybe try to refresh because I don't even see – I believe I got that one on FanDuel, Chris. I think it was um, – uh, yeah, I think Trouble Hubbard was even money on that. I think Damian Harris was even money on that. They they might have taken that down temporarily. I, I think it's probably more to do with the Panthers and Darnold. I think uh, there's been some conflicting reports there. So it looks like to me it's like a 55-45, maybe close to 50-50 call, whether Darnold winds up playing or not, and P.J. Walker guesses. I don't know if it makes too much of a difference, to be honest. I mean, at this point, maybe a, a breath of fresh air with P.J. Walker could be better than what Darnold's been giving him. Uh, but I, either way, I, I agree with you. I got the Patriots defense ranked really high in my fantasy rankings this week. I've got New England at number two overall. Uh, the expert consensus rankings have them at number four, so a slight edge, but – I got them right right behind Buffalo. I got Buffalo number one, Patriots two, Steelers three in my fantasy rankings. But the Bills and Patriots to me are the clear-cut top two options there. So I really do like the Patriots defense a lot, and, and that's correlated with Damian Harris there. So I'll be looking towards Damian Harris rushing attempts, towards his rushing yards. Unfortunately, time of recording right now, right now I don't see any of those props available, but that's where I will be looking and probably will – on the flip side, look towards playing some Patriots passing unders because, you know, we're seeing a game here where, you know, New England's going to be, what, more than a three-point favorite, I think three-and-a-half right now favorite on the road. We have a 41-point team total. And and normally, kudos to Dan Rivera. Uh, he put this in our subscriber Discord earlier in the week, or I think it was last week actually, where uh, someone did a study where they looked at the result on player prop bets uh, in regards to having a game total uh, over a certain amount. And w- what we see is in uh, low total games that the the only overs that consistently hit on props are the rushing yards and the rushing attempts. So, and it, it makes sense because the team gets a big lead and they're, or it's two bad offenses and they're just running the ball and they're grinding out clocks. So uh, th- that's where I'm going to look because of that. This, this game kind of overall projected game script fits kind of right into there. So I'm, I'm with you there. I like Harris right now. I, I probably, my guess is the line's going to come out for his rushing yards in the seventies and the, the rush attempt line might come out like 15 and a half, 16 and a half. So I'll be looking at that, maybe playing him close to like 17 rush attempts, give or take, but uh, you know, definitely something to keep, keep your eye on for now until, until the books re, uh, you know, re-release those lines. You know what, Chris, that was on FanDuel. And the favorite actually was uh, McCaffrey. I believe he was minus one twenty. So okay. maybe maybe they're getting some information in here late, and that's why they pulled it down. Because I looked at that uh, roughly, yeah, roughly an hour ago, and th- that's that's where that line was from. So, so we got a lot of unknowns in that game: McCaffrey, Darnold, everything like that. So it it, it makes sense that they don't have that. Uh, McCaffrey was a limited participant at Wednesday's practice. Uh, and I think he also got in uh, maybe a little bit more than a limited session in on Thursday. So Friday is going to go a long way in telling us whether McCaffrey is going to play. My guess is that it's a little, it's probably like a 40% chance right now he plays, but it's really all about how he does in practice because they're not trying to rush him back. I think I saw someone mentioned that McCaffrey has played in like five out of 23 games since Matt Rule's been the coach there. So what we have seen is that Rule has never been quick to rush McCaffrey back. 
and the fact they're having a down year, maybe he just looks at McCaffrey. He's like, he's still a really young player. Unfortunately, I got McCaffrey on one of my auction league teams. I went all in, spent like almost 40% of my auction budget to get him. Turned out to not be a good investment, but I think in the Panthers, uh, you know, in their interest, maybe it is a good investment for, for him to sit out. But obviously that's going to affect the line in a big way. But I don't think it should affect Harris's line because even if McCaffrey plays, I, I mean, I know he's worth a couple of points of the spread, but I think the quarterback play is just so bad that the Patriots are going to take advantage here. And, and the Panthers defense is really good. Don't get me wrong. I think the Panthers are a top 10 borderline top 12 fantasy defense this week too. I've got them ranked actually number seven. Their pass rush is really good. Uh, I just don't think their offense has enough to, to compensate for that. So that, that's kind of where I'm at for this game. All right. Solid stuff on that one. Chris, let's jump over to the Falcons and the Saints. All right, Chris. So I either need you to talk me into this, talk me out of it, throw some shade on it, throw some sugar on it. But I feel like I'm making a square ball pick here. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Tajay Sharp over 31 and a half receiving yards. And let me give you my quick reasoning on this one. Uh, Ridley's out. And I'm convinced that Sharp right now is running the routes uh, in the playbook that Ridley was running. And if that's the case, then I have to love over 31 and a half uh, receiving yards. Sharp last week had, I think, six targets. And then two games back, he had five. Actually, three games back, he had five. Two games back, he had two. That was against Miami. Uh, And I know it's a risky play, but... I don't know, man. I just I feel very strong that Sharp is taking Ridley's routes. And does that mean that he gets matched up with Lattimore? Uh, I guess that's quite possible. But Ridley has had some big games against the Saints. I mean, uh, last year he had 90 yards. He had 108 yards. So, uh, And I know there's a drastic difference there between Ridley and Sharp. I, I do know that. But I feel like if I could get the targets, um, you know, if I could get five, six targets, I'm happy with over 31 and a half yards. And uh I feel like I feel like it's square, Chris, but that's the play that I want to make. But I either want your stamp of approval or disapproval, and then you know that I'll then I'll either you know press it or or I'll just throw it in the garbage. What do you think? Well, I, I told I told you this before we started recording the podcast. I don't think it's a square play at all. Um, I know you were asking me about his fantasy value. I, I think he's worth an add in PPR leagues in like fourteen team leagues or bigger. Uh, you know, if you have a really big bench, roster spots, etc., he's worth a speculative add. The one thing I like the most about it is that he has the former history. He played a couple seasons in Tennessee with Arthur Smith, who's obviously the head coach slash play, play caller now in Atlanta. So I, I think that's the best thing he has going for him. Uh, he's running about 30% of his routes out of the slot, where Ridley's running about tw- Ridley ran about 20% of his routes in that area too. Uh, and obviously Russell Gage is going to be the main slot receiver for the Falcons. Um, so I don't think it's a square play. It's not a play. I don't hate the play. Um, I'm just really lacking confidence in Matt Ryan to get the ball to his receivers consistently at this point. I know he's got to throw it to someone, right? Like he's probably going to get what, maybe 200 or so low 200, mid 200 yardage, maybe some garbage time yards in this game. Um, But the Saints defense, man, like they're, they're nothing to mess with here. Uh, Number seven out of 32 teams in coverage grade by PFF. Uh, they rank good in pretty much all around from pass rush to run defense to, to, to you know pass defense and everything in between. So I think the Saints have advantages all across the board. We don't know yet, right, who's going to start. It looks like Taysom Hill is trending towards playing, and all indications are that he's going to get the start if he does wind up playing. He had a full practice in today on Thursday. So uh, Saints right now favored by six at home. 
I mean, on it, like I would just I don't know if I don't know if it's a square play for me talking about the spread, but I think the Saints minus six is a pretty solid bet. If you can get minus five and a half, I really like that one. Um, you know, we have a really low total here at 42. So yeah, man. I, I don't know. For me, honestly, Sleepy, like the number one play that jumped out to me on the board, and I have not made any official plays on this yet, is Kyle Pitts under 64 and a half. Man, I love Kyle Pitts, don't get me wrong, but with no Ridley there. Like Ridley's basically left Kyle Pitts on an island by himself. And and, and Kyle Pitts, I, I was in Atlanta for the Falcons game this past weekend against the Panthers. Like I thought Pitts was going to go off for about 100 yards or so. And it turns out I overlooked the little fact that a guy named Stephon Gilmore joined the Panthers a few weeks ago. And uh, the reports came out after the game. He went up to the coaches and asked them personally if he could cover Kyle Pitts one-on-one. And what happened? Kyle Pitts probably had the worst game of his NFL career to date so far in the in the year 2021 so uh if Pitts is going to get the Lattimore treatment which I think is going to happen because Pitts plays receive he's listed as a tight end he is a receiver on the field and Marshawn Lattimore plays a lot of man-to-man and likes to cover the best receiver on the other team if Pitts gets the Lattimore treatment which is even tougher assignment than against Gilmore last week uh his projection right now is 57 and a half and I see the line at DraftKings at 64 and a half so I'm strongly leaning under 64 and a half for Pitts. I think maybe he could rack up some short area catches in this game, but it's really tough for me to see Ryan. I think that's just an edge you want to play when you see a seven-yard line difference. You have the matchup in your favor from a one-on-one matchup standpoint, and you have the matchup in your favor from a team matchup standpoint. So to me, that's my favorite play so far. You know what play I'm going to look for, though, Chris, is if we find out that Taysom Hill is going to end up starting here and – Maybe he starts, you know, the remaining games for the rest of the year. I don't know. I mean, now it's, you know, it's a completely different situation. It's not, you know, who's going to be the starter. It's you need to, you need a starter now for the rest of the year. And if Hill's going to be the guy, I would strongly recommend looking at his over rushing yards uh, each game until they probably push that puppy up maybe to, you know, up over 40. And the reason being is I got to go back to when he actually played quarterback, you know, in BYU. It's his natural instinct is to take off running because that dude is such he's very good at running. And if you haven't seen him play before, um, you're going to know like, OK, this dude, you know, has got a little a little Lamar Jackson in him, too. Like he, he just doesn't have to go in and whiz the ball down the field like he's going to tuck it and take off and run uh, at any moment. So I'm going to be looking for that. I think if there's anything in the 20s or maybe even in the 30s, uh, I might take a look at doing that. But that's, you know, one thing I would look at with Hill. And especially if he gets ruled in for the entire year, like, hey, this is our guy going forward, whatever the case might be. Uh, like I said, I would probably just bet him until they, you know, push it up into the mid 40s because uh, I know Taysom Hill will run. And that dude's got a whole hell of a lot more speed than a lot of people probably think. Let's show over to Browns and the Bengals, Chris. You are Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they're going to be minus two and a half here at home. We have a total of 47. Since it's your Bengals, Chris, I'm going to let you go ahead and rip and run. I had them. Last week, they let me down against the Jets. I don't know how the hell they lost that game. Uh, completely pissed me off. But uh, what do you got for this game? Because I have an interesting pick here, and, and I'm curious what you're going to end up saying about this. But I absolutely love my pick, and I love my reasoning. But what do you got for that game? All right. So you know, one one quick final note that you mentioned, Taysom, Taysom Hill. If he hasn't been picked up in your fantasy leagues yet, like please just add him to the end of your bench because if he wants up getting the start – the way he runs the ball, he was the he was the QB five when he started in four games last year in fantasy points per game. 
So you want quarterbacks with that rushing upside, even if he's a bad passer in terms of real life football. So I've added him as, in as many leagues as I can. And what I think happens there, if, if you have maybe like a top five, top 10 quarterback and you add Taysom Hill, who can basically be that for you off the waiver wire, then you can have a trade asset and move. Like for me, for example, like it probably won't happen this week because Kyler's banged up. But for example, if I have Kyler in a league and I get Taysom Hill and he's looking healthy this week and has a full game and runs the ball and he's like, he has the confidence of Peyton as a starting quarterback, then I'm definitely going to look to trade Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray has trade value on the market. So that's how I'm approaching that situation in season long fantasy leagues. And then in cash games, man, like if, if you, if he gets to start, like I'm definitely going to play. I mean, I, I really love Lamar Jackson in cash, but he's a lot more expensive than Taysom Hill is. Taysom Hill is going to give you tremendous value at his price tag against a bad Falcons defense overall too. So that's my thoughts on that one there. And then you nailed it with his rushing yards. Like the four games he started last year, he had 45, 49, 44, or no, 49, 44, 83, and 33 uh, in those games. Had 10-plus rush attempts in three of the four. So uh, rush attempts, rushing yards, I agree with you. And then also looking at Kamara on his receiving yards under, because he didn't get that many targets in a lot of the games that Hill started there too. So that's my final thoughts on the Saints there. Um, before I get into ripping you, Sleepy, like the second you, – you finally got me excited about the Bengals, man. I, I wore – I wore a Cincinnati Bengals jersey in Atlanta all Sunday. We went to the Falcons game early in the day. Then we went out to Truist Park and hung out with all the Braves fans for, uh, I think it was game, what, game five of the World Series. And I got all these com- I got comments all day long, like everything, what happened to the Bengals? What happened to the Bengals? And I just looked at them and I shrugged and I'm like, hey, I'm like, at least we're still five and three. So I'm looking at the bright side of things now, glass half full as a Bengals fan here. And I mean, look, man, who knows what would have happened tonight? Like Mike White came out, led the Jets right down the field and scored a touchdown and then got hurt and left the game and didn't come back. And it was seven to seven at that point. I think that combination of Bengals not having any film on this new guy, uh, overlooking like who's this no-name quarterback. I mean, look, but even with Zach Wilson, the Jets surprised and beat the Titans a few weeks back too. And we've seen who the Titans have beat since. So you know, the, the Jets are, they, they with Robert Sala coaching them, like it seems like they're a little bit of sneaky to pull off an upset every week, you know, every other week or so here and there with that team. So I, I don't know what to take out of that game, but I think the Bengals will get back on track here against the Browns. Um, I think this is going to be a tough game, though, from both sides offensively. Like I'm not looking to play too many overs in this game. Um, just on, on the surface of things, the Bengals – you know, their defense is more middle of the pack in, in all their areas. Uh, the Browns, like, they have a really good run defense. And their their coverage grade is also really good, number six according to PFF overall, even though I still think they can be beat through the air against certain type of wide receiver talents like a T. Higgins, like a Jamar Chase, uh, et cetera. So uh, that's kind of my overall ways I'm approaching this game from a handicapping standpoint. I think that uh, a guy like Jarvis Landry has some value in this game. I see people – you know, overreacting to like the OBJ news and they're like going to, oh, should I pick up people's Jones off the waivers or should I do this or that? Well, don't forget that Jarvis Landry came back. He was like a game time decision in week eight. They played on a Thursday. They've had 10 plus days rest and slot receivers have been doing pretty well against the Bengals defense, especially with the Browns favored, uh, you know, likely to be trailing in this game, according to the spread. Uh, we've got the projection right now, at Jarvis Landry, at like 55 to 60 yards. And I believe the line is at 49 and a half. And what I'm seeing right now is I actually think there's value on Landry uh, more than anything else, uh, probably on the yards at 49 and a half. And I'd probably say 
uh, on the receptions as well. Jarvis Landry, it's juiced to the over four and a half minus one thirty five. So maybe I take a unit and I split it half and half between over four and a half catch. I mean, we're talking about taking Thielen over four and a half. We talked about the past week value of having Renfro over four and a half. Landry's right in that same mold as that slot receiver, reliable hands over the middle. I think Baker Mayfield's going to lean on that in this game to get the pass game going to to, uh, to, to move the chains. Um, and when it comes to the guys on the Bengals side of things, I, I just don't know because I think Chase, the lines have been the you know inflated for him to the point where I don't know if there's value playing him in the mid seventies. T Higgins, on the other hand. I think there is value on him playing him when he's lying in the high 50s, low 60s. So probably going to avoid Chase outside of DFS because obviously the big playability is there. Um, but taking T. Higgins over four and a half catches minus 125, I don't like the juice there, but I do think there's value because I think him and Chase should be lying similar, similarly in terms of their receptions. Uh, and I don't think the gap should be that big. 60 and a half yards for T. Higgins. 73 and a half for chase i think 13 and a half yards difference is too much maybe five yards difference is where it should be tyler boyd at 47 and a half yards like that's way too low as well so um i'd much more rather take the value on higgins and boyd as opposed to playing chase in the prop market but for right now i got my eyes set on landry and then maybe i'll figure out another player or two to make in this game all right good stuff there you covered a lot i'm surprised you didn't cover really any of the stuff that i have here I sat and I thought about this game for a while and I was confused and I'm like, there's something here. I'm like, and I just got to keep thinking about it and figure it out. And I kept thinking, I kept thinking something started to make more sense to me. And then the more that I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? The Browns are going to absolutely show you that they don't need L Dell Beckham and that they don't want him, that he's nothing but a distraction. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Mayfield over 233 and a half passing yards, and I'm going to play Mayfield over one and a half touchdowns at plus 120. You know, when Odell came out and he started talking like, you know, I, I don't get the ball. I need the ball. Well, you're basically saying that that you should be the guy getting the ball and uh, nobody else on the team, you know, should be getting the ball. And I think that that might piss off guys like, you know, Peoples, Jones, Higgins, Bryant, Landry. Uh, to the point to where those guys go out and say, I need to now go out and play my best game. I need to go out and show that I'm better than Odell Beckham. And I think, you know, Baker Mayfield is a guy getting a lot of the heat. He needs to go out and he needs to throw the ball over the yard and end up gobbling up a lot of yards, some touchdowns, and they need to, you know, go out and win this game. Originally, I liked the Bengals uh, going into this game. Now I'm starting to find myself liking the Browns a little bit more um, you know, as the week goes on and a lot of it just has to do with Odell is like, um, you know, he basically threw the, threw the entire team under the bus. It's like, I don't want to say he quit on the team, but when the team says, look, dude, we don't want you here. We don't need you in practice. We're okay without you. Then the Browns have to make some kind of a statement. And are they going to try to make that with Nick Chubb and be like, uh, let's run the ball 40 times in this game. And then it's like, well, if you lose because you didn't throw the ball, then, then it brings light to to Odell. Now, look, if, if Baker goes out and he has a terrible game, well, then guess what? You know what? That's on him. And 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 maybe maybe some of the negative stuff you know should happen, but I don't see that happening here. I think Baker against the Bengals could actually have a pretty good game because the Bengals last week they had absolutely no answer for the fast paced Jets with Mike White. 
And I think, uh, I think Baker probably might take that attempt, but um, yeah, man, I'm all over Baker here. Um, and it, it's rare, you know, that I'm, that I'm playing Baker Mayfield, but I mean, I was high on him, you know, going into last year and he kind of, you know, just nothing really anything special than an average quarterback. But yeah, I like him a lot here, Chris. I'm not sure what you think about that angle, but the fact that the Browns are making it sound like they don't care about Odell and they don't need him. Um, I mean, that has to give Baker and those wide receivers a little bit of motivation here, does it not? We, well, to, to me, that just makes me like the Landry play more because think about it from Baker's play. Look, at the end of the day, this is a defensive-minded team. They got the, they probably have more talent on defense, at least on the line, than any other team in the NFL right now. Um, and, you know, they're a run-first team as well. With, with Nick Chubb now a week healthier, taking 10 days, 10 days off in their last game, Dearness Johnson's playing a nice change of pace role, similar, similar to what Kareem Hunt was doing before he got hurt. Um, so you have two capable backs again. You have a really good offensive line. You have a really good defensive line. So that's why I, I hardly ever go to the Baker Mayfield props over on the passing game because, like, sometimes they simply just don't need to air it out that much. Uh, but for me, like, I agree with you. Like, OBJ is essentially right now quitting on his team. Um, and the narrative is not good right there for him. And I, I agree with you. That could be a rallying point. But Baker Mayfield's going to be like, look, man, like I got my number one receiver, and it's Jarvis Landry. And what I think is that we're getting a discount here because Jarvis Landry, Sleepy, in the three games he played healthy this year, he's had uh, his targets have gone up in three straight games from week one where he had five catches, five targets, 71 yards. Then he had five catches, eight targets, then he had five, and that was and and that was against uh, the Broncos when he came back. Uh, I'm forgetting about last week's game. I'm thinking of the Broncos game. That was two weeks ago. That's my mistake there. But against the Broncos when he was coming back, game time decision, he had eight targets, five catches. Right, the yards were low though because they were just running the hell out of the ball. Uh, last week when they lost by five points to the Steelers in a game where they only scored ten points, ten targets, five catches, sixty-five yards. And look at what the Jets slot receiver did last week against the Bengals. Crowder had his best game of the season. So the narrative to me, Baker Mayfield's like, look, you you think you're the number one? Or OB, Mr. OBJ's dad, you think your son's the number one? No, I got my number one, and his name's Jarvis Landry, and he always has been my number one. We get the game script in our favor. We get the matchup in our favor. We get the, the the Landry health volume all trending upwards in our favor. I'm playing over catches and I'm playing over yards. I'm double dipping on that prop right there. You just convinced me of it right there. All right. I love it. I think we can go a lot of ways with Cleveland here. And that's what worries me, Chris, about the Bengals for this particular game because I was I was pretty heavy on, on Cincinnati going into this game. Uh, let's jump over to when we talk about the Texans and talk about the Dolphins here. We got the Dolphins. I think it'll be minus five and a half here. We have an over and under uh, of 46. I'm not sure about a player prop yet in this one here, Chris, but I'll tell you right now, I want to attack Miami in in a big way. Now, I saw that you had uh, some props that you put out. Why don't you go ahead and talk about them? Give me a minute to think about this because I have a feeling that I'm going to end up with a pretty good prop in this one, but what do you got? All right, so the prop that I really want to play and I just have not seen it out yet, is we've hit two straight weeks now, two overs on passing. And for me, it's been about the pass attempts. Um, But again, no pass attempts line for Tua yet in this game. Uh, I was looking earlier. I wanted to get confirmation that Tyrod Taylor is going to play. 
and we talked about a lot about this before we started recording the podcast here tonight, Sleepy, is that I personally believe, and everyone knows, if you follow me on Twitter at all, like, you know that I'm really high on Tyrod Taylor is one of my favorite players in the NFL. I thought he was like, he was a, he was a really good fantasy player. He was like top seven guy in the three years. He was like the main starter for the Buffalo bills. I know it's been a little while since then, but Tyrod Taylor was absolutely crushing it in the first two games he was playing with the Texans. Like they beat the Jags handily in week two, they were on track to, to not just beat, but maybe even blow out the Browns in Cleveland. Tyrod Taylor was like a 10 for 11 with two touchdowns in the first half, winds up pulling up lame on his hamstring on a fluke play. uh, And they had 14 points at halftime in this game. So for me, I don't talk about spreads and team totals a lot. I know we we disagree a little bit on some of this, but I believe Tyrod Taylor compared to Davis Mills, like Tyrod Taylor, maybe you think he's average at best. I think he's top 15, which is like borderline, like above average quarterback in the league. I personally have him a little bit higher than that, whereas I think Mills is like borderline dead last quarterback in the NFL. So for me, I'm giving like a, almost a six-point upgrade in the spread from Mills to Tyrod. And we saw what the Texans could do with Tyrod to Brandon Cooks. Like that could be one of the most lethal combinations or stacks in DFS this week, in my opinion. So um, I think the Texans have no problem. They scored 14 points in the first half against the Browns. They scored 37 in week one in a full game with Tyrod Taylor playing quarterback. I believe that they score 20-plus points in this game. I like the over-team total, 19.5. I like it over 20.5. I believe that's at even money or plus money as well. So that's where I'm at for this game. Uh, As opposed to Tua, I'm going back to the well with him because I believe this will be a competitive game, uh, which means that Tua will have to throw like normal, and the Dolphins have been dropping back the pass at the highest rate in the league outside of Tampa Bay. And this was even with Jacoby Brissett uh, under center. So to me, I think there's value on Tua Tagovailoa over 240 and a half passing yards. Uh, and the passing attempts, like, I, I honestly, I think he's going to throw 40 plus times in this game. So uh, I, maybe the line set at 36 and a half, 37 and a half. I'd probably play Tua over pass attempts up to 38 and a half at a full unit right now. So I've definitely got my eye peeled to that number. Uh, I don't think the Texans are going to blow out the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are just as bad in other areas of the field as Houston is. Uh, And I think that Houston is like, they want to win. Like the the guys on the field, Cooks, you saw how mad he got when they traded away Mark Ingram. Like Mark Ingram hadn't been doing jack shit for them all year long. Cooks is upset. He wants to win. He's getting his guy back under center. They wouldn't be playing Tyrod. The coaches, maybe the upper management likes when they lose. But, but Tyrod wants to win, too. And they held him out for long enough to where I think the re-injury part of the hamstring is a, is a low probability at this point. So that's where my head is at. That's where my thought process is for this game. That makes me like Tua overs because I think he's going to be pressed to throw his normal amount in this game. Uh, and then I, I would probably look to Cooks uh, over on his receiving yards. I think with Tyrod under center, uh, you're going to get a boom game from Cooks because they're going to line them up all over the field. And Tyrod was very – they showed a really good chemistry. I know it's a small sample. They showed a really good chemistry in those two weeks they played together. Uh, Cooks right now, uh, you, you can see a line difference. Like Foxbet has over 70.5 at plus 100, but you can get 65.5 at Caesars or DraftKings. I, I like Cooks to get 70-plus yards in this game. So I'll take the minus 115 uh, at 65.5 there as well. Uh, th- that, that's my overall thoughts. Uh, for this game, maybe even look to Tyrod Taylor over rushing yards in this game, but I prefer to go to Tua overs because we've seen that trend from the Dolphins all season long, dropping back the pass at a high rate. 
And then Cooks, to me, like one of the most underrated wide receiver talents, finally has his boy back under center. I'm more than happy to go back to Cooks, a, a prop we hit a couple times earlier this year as well. All right, so here's my thoughts. I don't think this game's close. I think Miami's going to blow out the Texans. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, just, just the two rosters in general. Tyrod Taylor probably isn't any better than Tua is right now. Taylor hasn't played in, what, six weeks? And Tua's playing his best football right now. And the fact that they didn't pick up Watson, you know, that that's basically, you know, they're, they're saying, like, all right, Tua, you know, you're our guy, man. You're our guy going forward here, at least for now, right? I mean, that's the only thing that you really could assume. But, you know, I have Devontae Parker. I have Jalen Waddle. I have Mike Kosicki. I have Miles Gaskin. Uh, I have a, a secondary with, you know, a couple pro bowlers in there. The Miami defense is not as bad as Houston. That I know. I'm, I'm quite confident. And the offense is, is far better than Houston. Houston last week scored all their points in garbage time. I mean, they were, they've were they been down by uh, five touchdowns in like the last two games. So I wonder where they're at right now. But I do think that getting Tyrod back is going to be a shot in the arm for that team. Um, they've played their best football with him under center. But again, he's been out for six weeks. But I think one of the tipping points for me here with this particular game in general is Brian Flores. And last week he was getting questioned about, you know, if his job's on the line and, and he, you know, and I, I don't I don't believe that that it should be. Um, but he needs to do something to quiet those discussions. And Miami here at home, you know, if they could just get a win, it's like, you know what? We're, we're, we're sticking with the right guy here with Tua. We're not going to trade away everything that we have for a quarterback who, you know, may or may not be able to play. But I do believe that that these two teams are not close, you know, when it comes to rosters. If you looked at Miami uh, in the beginning of the year, that was one of the teams that all the sharp guys kind of liked. They, they were like, you know what, this this could be a potential playoff team, you know, if Tua can end up uh, being half decent. And although Miami is losing games, um, I believe that a lot of that has to do with their defense, their secondary, which is now healthy, and getting Tua up to speed. So I don't think this game's close. I really don't. I, I don't trust Houston at all. I don't know really what they have to play for. And if it is Davis Mills, my gut feeling says that that the Houston would never get out of the teens, that Miami will blow them out by, you know, by three, four, five touchdowns. So I feel strong about that. So what I'm going to do, Chris, is I'm going to I'm going to play Jalen Waddle over 56 and a half receiving yards. Now, last week, he didn't have a great week, but he didn't exactly have the greatest matchup going against the Bills. I mean, he had four catches last week for what was it? 29 yards, 30 yards, something like that. But this is a completely different secondary. And you could look at the stats if you want to. And it's going to tell you like, oh, Houston's got to have decent pass defense. Um, teams end up running the ball for half the game because they go up 35, 28, nothing on that team. Their pass defense stinks. They, they Their pass defense is one of the worst in the league. Uh, and you could look at it by numbers, but just watch the games and you can see, you know, how, how, how much success teams have. But I do believe that Waddle will get uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of passes in his direction, you know, for this particular game. I'm not sure about the two uh, attempts there, Chris. And, you know, and the only thing that worries me, you know, and we're on opposite sides. You think the game will be close. I don't think it will be close. So if it is a blowout, you know, I might even consider maybe looking at Gaskin, um, you know, maybe over his rushing yards or something like that. So, so the fact that we're a little bit split here, um, it seems like, you know, we, we, we're, we're on both sides. We both think that, you know, both of our, uh, both of our, our teams are going to uh, go out here and perform, but um, 
I like Miami a lot, man. So if you want to make a pizza yeah. bet on something, we'll, we'll make a pizza bet. Let's make a pizza bet. On All right, we're going to do pizza bet. Uh, we were talking about either the spread plus five and a half or the team total over 19 and a half. So I'll, I'll do, I'll do double pizza bet, man. I'll, I'll do Texas plus five and a half and I'll do the team total over 19 and a half. All right, cool. Well, we'll have our, our first pizza bet here on the pod for today. Uh, let's jump over to another game here, Chris. Let's jump into, uh, you know what? Why don't you give me a minute here? I need to pull up some stuff here. In the beginning of the podcast, you were talking about um, like a midseason package or something like that. Why don't you go ahead Gloss over that real quick and let me pull up some of the stuff that I need for the uh, for the four o'clock games. Yeah, well, we have our in NFL in-season package, as I mentioned before. Um, you get everything from basically best bet player props from the entire team for every single main slate, uh, all the primetime games, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night, Thursday Night, etc., as well as DFS top plays uh, that I put out for each of those slates as well, uh, four times a week for the main slate Sunday and for the primetime games. Steve Reader's power ratings. I mean, Steve, if you haven't seen on Twitter, like this guy's been absolutely killing it with his best bets. He does his look ahead lines where he's giving out bets for week 10 already, uh, you know, even earlier this week, even though we're talk- talking about mostly bets for week nine. Uh, his power ratings article is look ahead lines article to me is second to none in the industry. Um, obviously, I'm putting out my player props all week. By the time I put out my my free player props column, Sometimes those lines have moved. Sometimes they haven't. You know, we don't always like move the market uh, every time we give out a prop. That, that's just how it goes for everyone in the industry, for that matter. But um, you're going to get the benefit of getting the best number on all the props we're putting out during the week from myself, from Sleepy, from Steve. Uh, and then we have other things like we have a weekly betting strategy column. We have defensive unit rankings for all 32 teams in the league. Uh, and then we have the number one thing I think is the most valuable, actually, which is like the engine behind everything. I mentioned it earlier is what I call, like, we're kind of like, don't really have a name for it, but it's our player prop hit list. Um, we call it our player prop cheat sheet. And this is where we go game by game, our entire team, researching all the best numbers behind the scenes from PFF grade, uh, mismatches, offensive line, defensive line, coverage grades, uh, other offensive line rankings, DVOA rankings, individual usage data that I break down every single week for every single uh, team. A lot of time goes into this. We're basically taking like 100 plus hours of work and we're boiling it down into something that you can consume in like less than an hour with a cup of coffee on a, on a Saturday or Sunday before you make you know you, you finalize your official betting card. So uh, to me, everything from the picks we give out to the research we're doing behind those picks uh, is more than worth the price tag. We have our midseason price at ninety nine ninety nine. That gives you access from now through the end of the Super Bowl. Comes out to less than a dollar a day for everything that we're doing every single week from the regular season, the playoffs, uh, everything in between. Uh, and if you use code NFL ten. That'll save you $10 on our package overall. So you can get that for $89.99. Uh, if, if you're unable to get the code to work, just shoot me a DM on, DM on Twitter and we can hook it up for you. But to me, like I said, criminally underpriced from the beginning of the, from the, beginning of the season until now. And, you know, we're going to put out a midseason report uh, publicly to show how we're doing all of our bets. Uh, and try to, trust me when I say that we're well into the black so far this season. And I think we're going to do even better in the second half of the year, especially given the last three weeks that, we, that we've had uh, based off all the research we've been working on behind the scenes. So that's kind of a re- recap of everything we're doing, everything we're going to be doing for the rest of the year. And hopefully we can get you on board, get you into our subscriber discord channel, and uh, we can cast some tickets together for the rest of the season, man. All right. Good stuff there, Chris. Let's jump over to the Eagles and the Chargers. Uh, interesting here. I have Mike Williams in my fantasy league, and he's been a little disappointing, but I do believe he'll eat here. 
But the one I'm looking for, Chris, and I don't see it right now, is probably going to be uh, Jared Cook to go over his yardage, to go over his receptions. You know, if you look at what Philadelphia has done against a tight end, you know, the last, I don't know, four or five games, it's not good. Uh, Hawkinson ate. Uh, the backup, the backup tight end for the Raiders, he ate. Uh, O.J. Howard and and Cameron Brake, they ate. Uh, I think even the Panthers tight end, who they don't even have a tight end, I think he ate too. Uh, Philadelphia's given up a lot of yardage here to the tight end, so um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to look for Cook. Uh, if he's anywhere in the 30s, I'm playing him over. You know, even if it's a low, you know, high 20s, uh, I feel very strong about that. But I'm just hoping for Mike Williams. I think like this is like this is a, a team that he could probably take advantage of, and I think he probably will uh, will end up with a with a heavy target share here. So I'm gonna look at Mike Williams for sure, and then I'm gonna search around like hell uh, for Cook for sure for this game. What do you got? Yeah, um, I I think that's a good point you made on the tight ends being a weakness for the Philly defense, and they match up good on the outside with Darius Slay on the perimeter there. So you could you could see a lot of slay on Mike Williams, although I think that we've seen now a dip in the market to where we had the projection for Mike Williams between 65 to 70 yards, and the line is only 55 and a half right now. So I actually think that, you know, although you might see Slay shadow Williams a bit in this game, uh, the Eagles do play a lot of zone coverage as well. So usually when you see them play zone coverage, that's when we see Mike Williams get targeted more as opposed to man-to-man where maybe you see Mike uh, Keenan Allen targeted more in this offense. So I do, although I really do like Keenan Allen in cash games this week for DFS, Mike Williams is obviously the main tournament play because he has that crazy upside, deep threat, et cetera. I think you're getting a lot of value on the over 55.5 receiving yards right now for Mike Williams. And, and we were seeing that number being set in like the mid to high 70s just a few weeks ago. So I like the bounce back spot for Mike Williams. Um the other spot I actually do like Sleepy is one we've cashed a few times earlier this year. I've gone away from it for, for like the last month, but I think this might be a good spot to go back to, which is Jalen Hurts over on rushing yards. This is the, the best matchup for uh, for rushing in the entire NFL when it comes to the Chargers. Like they invite teams to run the ball against them. And Jalen Hurts at 49 and a half, like he's still their primary back. Like no matter how many carries they give to the combination of Kenneth Gainwell Boston Scott, Jordan Howard snuck in there a few, a few touchdowns last week. Uh, they're going to need Hurts to scramble to help move the chains in this game, and that's what the defense dictates in terms of the matchup here with L.A. So, you know, even last week, Sleepy, in a game where the the, Lion, uh, the Eagles beat the Lions 44-6, to and, and Hurts didn't need to run the ball in that game. He still had seven carries for 71 yards. Over the last two weeks, he's had 61 and 71, so that's an average of about 66 and a half there. Um, and the first couple of weeks of the season, he had 62 and 82. So he had that four-week stretch in between where he was between 30 and 47 rushing yards. But I think the matchup is going to dictate Hurts to be the lead running back for the team in this game. So right now, I'm going to call it a lean on Hurts over 49 and a half. I don't know if we're getting the greatest discount. In the world, but I think the books have properly priced this. But I do think there is some slight value here. Maybe I might go a half unit on it for now and wait to see what the rest of the news is that comes out throughout the week. Dig into the numbers a little more, maybe go a full unit on it. But that's where I'm looking right now. I think there's clear value on Mike Williams over, and I do think there also is value on Jalen Hurts rushing over in this game. All right, good stuff on that game, Chris. Let's jump over to my Green Bay Packers uh, right now. Chiefs minus seven and a half. We have a total of 48. Well, we we all know the news. Aaron Rodgers out with COVID. 
Uh, Jordan Love's going to get his first start. Uh, right now, if you like his overpassing, it's 232.5. Chris, I'm, I'm completely confused. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm going to leave this one up to you. Um, I'm going to let you have the floor on this one. What do you think? And then I'll just try to read your mind here, and, and then maybe I can find something that I like. But what do you think about the Packers? I don't think they're winning this week, dude, but you never know. Yeah, I like Devontae Adams under. Uh, the line opened up at like 90 and a half, and I missed the opener. I saw it steam down. I tried to jump on it as quick as possible. In our Discord, I gave out a half unit on under 85 and a half for Devontae Adams. Um, I just think that the Chiefs can really just game plan to try to slow him down as much as possible. I think we see a run-heavy game, game plan from the Packers in this game using a lot of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, you know, obviously Jordan Love is first career start. You know, they don't want to put too much on his shoulders, so to speak. Uh, I do think, however, there is value on a guy like A.J. Dillon over 35 and a half rushing yards with that game plan. We saw what the Packers did when they didn't have what they were missing Lazard, MVS and Adams uh, in in week eight on Thursday night. And we saw A.J. Dillon take over as the primary ball killer, although Aaron Jones had more total yards from scrimmage. He was involved as a receiver. Uh, A.J. Dillon still had a lot of work, and I think they're going to feed him again. They're going to need both those guys to play big parts if they want to even compete in this game. So I think that AJ Dillon, the fact that like, you know, if, if this game becomes a blowout, then you're going to probably see them still run the ball at a decent rate and maybe give Aaron Jones a little more of a breather. So I think that the gap is way too big from Aaron Jones, 65 and a half rushing yards uh, to, to AJ Dillon, uh, 35 and a half rushing yards. To me, that gap is, they, they might almost like if I was setting those lines, I might even set them close to even to, uh, close to each other. Like it might be like 50, for Jones and 40, 45 and a half for Dylan. So there's good reason why Caesars has AJ Dylan over 35 and a half. They have a juice to minus 145. Uh, I won't, I don't like playing that type of big, but minus 120, I will play that. I think there is still value there uh, as well. And then when it comes to Devontae Adams, like I said, man, like I love Devontae Adams. He's one of the best receivers in the game, but now the prop has been steamed down to 83 and a half at Caesars. Uh, you're seeing 81 and a half at FanDuel, 80 and a half at Foxbet, uh, 78 and a half at DraftKings. So the, the line just keeps going down, 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 and down. It might settle like around 75, to be honest. And I think for good reason, because we can't really trust, like, who is Jordan Love? Like, this is the type of game I really don't want to bet too many props on. I think if you want to just bet a lot of unders, you might come out pretty well in this game. How much offense will the Packers be able to generate? So those are my overall thoughts on how I want to attack this Uh the Chiefs could win easily, um, but the Chiefs have, have been a little inefficient on offense too, so maybe the Packers can hang around. Maybe they come up motivated for this game, and maybe it, maybe it's a low-scoring affair where the Packers can keep it close for maybe two or three quarters, and, and we get a decent amount out of the running backs there. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this game overall. I like Adams under, but I think it's lost value at this point. Um, and then the only other thing to me, A.J. Dillon, to me the rushing line is just way too low for him. So th- those are the only places I'm looking so far in this game. All right, cool. That AJ Dillon sounds really good to me too. There, Chris. I mean, I know Green Bay's game plan for this one is uh, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands and just try to move the chains down the field. Uh, whether it's you know quick short passes or, or just utilize the running attack, because Green Bay has a pretty good offensive line, and we know that that KC defense, you know, they're going to give you enough holes to go ahead and move the chains uh, against that defense. You know what I'm going to do, Chris? I'm going to play Patrick Mahomes to go ahead and throw an interception in this game. Uh, at plus 115. Look, teams have adjusted. 
Uh, they're, they're, they're running two high safeties. They're pushing the linebackers back, and they're not blitzing. And when they do blitz uh, with the two high safeties, Mahomes is just – he's lost, man. Like, they, they, I don't know what who figured it out. I, I honestly believe it was Belichick, but Mahomes is struggling. And I think a lot of it is just he's out of his comfort zone to where he could just bomb the ball down the field to Tyreek Hill – and it just opens up so much of the so much of the field, and teams have have gotten smart. And why would Green Bay go away from you know what teams have been doing against Kansas City? It makes absolutely no sense. So Mahomes is forcing the ball. He's doing things that he normally doesn't do. He's trying to be. I want to say here's what I'll say, and I, and, and I wanted to say this on a podcast, but I forgot. He reminds me of a basketball player that's out there hot dogging, trying to bounce the ball off the backboard so the guy can get the dunk or it's an around-the-back pass. He, he's playing that type of football, and that, that to me is scary because there's a time and a place for that, but it seems like he's integrated that type of style you know, into his game where um, you know, it's resulting in mistakes and it's resulting in you know, having to force the ball because you know, the defense is putting him in a, in a position to where you know, now they got to play from behind, which is you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but... Uh, there's just something going on there. I have a feeling it has a lot to do with, with the way that Mahomes is uh, approaching the games right now, and a lot of it has to do with the way that uh, teams are playing defense. So I'll go ahead. I'll do that. Patrick Mahomes is throwing interception uh, at plus 115. Chris, let's jump into our final game here. We got the Cardinals. We got the 49ers. Uh, Arizona, they are not undefeated anymore. 49ers are going to be minus two in this game. Uh, total of 45 uh, that line is indicating that Kyler Murray will not play. So now I'm curious, Chris, what are you going to do if Kyler Murray is in fact out? You know, what do we do here with the Cardinals? I just want to go Elijah Mitchell over because they have a really good matchup on the ground against Arizona's run D. We saw what AJ Dillon did against them last week, even in a game where the Packers were, you know, they weren't really up by too much. But if Kyler Murray goes from being banged up to like not playing at all or even you know, he got banged up more towards the end of that game. So if we get a hobble, hobbled Murray, Murray was very inefficient as a quarterback last year. He had a similar type of injury with his shoulder. I think he also tweaked his ankle at some point in the mid to late part of 2020. So I, I just don't think Murray Murray's like his biggest value is in his speed and his scrambling ability. And if he doesn't have that, like he's going to be rendered as like an average at best quarterback. So I like the Niners uh, in this game because of that. And I, I think what Sleepy the Line is like, it's still, what, San Francisco minus two? Yeah, right now minus two San Fran. Yeah, I, I just – it. I don't know, man. Murray might play, but even then, like, I, I think I think 49ers minus two. I don't know if they're trying to get you on that hook there. Like, they're like, hey, you know, but I think Niners should win this game by a field goal or more. That, that's just – based off what I've seen from these teams the last couple of weeks, That that's just where I'm at personally. So, I like that. I like San Francisco minus two, uh, minus two and a half as well. But um, – yeah, I, I just to me it's Elijah Mitchell, 49ers at home against bad run defense. Cardinals don't have their quarterback. Even DeAndre Hopkins might not play. Uh, I mean, he he I'm guessing he will play, but we saw what happened last week when he played is that he only played like I think end up playing maybe 40% of the snaps at most. He got hurt after his first catch, came back in, had a second catch, wasn't really involved outside of that. Um, so just a lot of things. You know, AJ Green's on the COVID list now. So they're going to have Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk trying to fill in there. So they're missing two of their biggest possession type of receivers. Uh, I, I think it's too much going on for Arizona. They can afford to lose a game, as, as weird as that might sound, whereas the Niners, they're trying to get momentum going and get into the thick of this NFC playoff race. So 
Uh, I like the Niners at home here. And because of that, I'm going to correlate that with Elijah Mitchell over on his rushing yards because we saw him last week. One of our, hey man, another great benefit, Sleepy, of being in our, our subscriber Discord. We had one of our subscribers say that he he found value on a play earlier in the week where Elijah Mitchell was uh, 37 to 1 to lead the NFL in week eight in rushing yards, and that wound up cashing. So we have a very sharp community of bettors in our subscriber Discord at Betting Predators. So just another benefit to get in there. So shout out to our subscriber base for all the nuggets they're putting in the Discord channel each and every week, each and every day. Uh, we got a lot of value in there and a lot of really smart bettors. So very happy about that. But that's where I'm going to look once the lines come out for that is, is Mitchell over on his rushing yards. All right. Good stuff there, Chris. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at one player in the wide receiver core for the Cardinals, and that's Rondell Moore. I have a feeling he probably has gotten more work with Colt McCoy um, than, than probably any other receiver. He's probably like his number one. Uh, that team's all banged up. I mean, Murray, Edmonds, Hopkins, Green. Uh, they got multiple linemen that are that are messed up too. But I'm, I got to go back to the play that always cashes for me. And I'm going to do kind of a double dip here. I'm going to play Connor over his rushing yards and Connor to score a touchdown. Now, the Connor to score a touchdown prop, that's not up right now. But look, anything at minus 120, minus 130, I feel good with that, man. Like I have a feeling like Arizona is going to run the ball uh, as much as they possibly can in this game. And look, he might get a lot of Edmonds, but he's banged up. But I feel like Connor probably gets uh, in the end zone here again for me. I mean, it'll be four straight times that I've played him that he's gotten in there. But Rondell Moore, to me, uh, might be Colt McCoy's number one, and that might be the guy that he goes to regardless of who's on the field. So, um, you know, and, and if the Cardinals are in a negative game script here, um, they might be throwing all game. So I'm going to end up, I, I feel, with with some good plays here, and I'm probably going to cash two out of three, but, you know, there's a potential I could cash all three. So uh, that's what I'm going to do there for that particular game. Uh, but that'll wrap up the pod, guys. That's everything that we got. That's all our Sunday games uh, for your Sunday slate. Uh, we're going to end up doing a Sunday and Monday night football podcast. I might hit up Mackenzie or Uncle Dave to go ahead and do that. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, as Chris said, make sure you guys check out everything over at the Betting Predators. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. You guys can find me at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can get Chris at the Mad Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL week number nine. Enjoy the games. <laughs>